During the month of November, we will be taking a journey through the Psalms of Thanksgiving with our sermon series, I Am Thankful For. Again, we are so glad you are here with us today as we are continuing our teaching series, I Am Thankful For, and you get to fill in the blank who and what you are thankful for, and it is a journey through the Psalms. And as I thought about the answer for myself, one of the answers I came up with was recently had a chance to go to my hometown and speak at a conference. And my hometown is in Smyrna, Georgia, and that is where the World Series champs are, the Atlanta Braves. They play right there. In case you did not know that, just want to throw that in there for you, here to help you out in any way. But literally, our house was down the street for the new stadium. And so we're very close to where, where they play at. But as I was there, I was reminded of somebody who was influential and impacting my life. And his name is Jeff Hodges. And Jeff Hodges is the guy in red. He's the guy in red. And this is a picture of him and his daughters and their families. And he's this unassuming guy. But for 25 years, he served as the youth pastor at Smyrna First Baptist. And now he has a different role as part of this staff team at Smyrna First Baptist. But Jeff was one of those guys that would show up again and again. He would provide rides for me and my twin brother, John. He would be instrumental in creating opportunities for us to hear about who Jesus is, both in word and deed, both in proclamation and demonstration. And I'll never forget, he brought in a speaker one time, and the speaker talked about trusting Jesus with your whole life to trust Jesus fully. And I remember hearing that, and it scared me, like, big time. Like, I was like, oh, trust Jesus with everything? And it was really scary for me. And before Jeff had entered into my life, I was really going down a path that was harmful to me. And so Jeff was an instrument to bring me back to the hope that is found in Jesus. And I wasn't ready to put my faith and trust in Jesus yet. But a year after that speaker, I would go on to do that to be a follower of Jesus, to pursue Jesus with my life. And I'm grateful for people like Jeff, Jeff who, again, unassuming, but just shows up again and again and again and sets the conditions, provides the environment for me to encounter and experience Jesus. In fact, it's because of people like him that gave me a vision for what actually the church could be, that it could be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so it was a real gift to not only see Jeff last weekend, but to share at this church. And so they, they allowed me to preach at their service, two services, and it was such an opportunity and a gift to thank this church for their investment in me. And so I'm grateful for this church, but also their investment in us. Because as we have been going since 2009 and have seen other churches started, they have walked alongside us, both through prayer through financial support, through encouragement. They actually want to come up to Pennsylvania. They want to come up and, and see what's going on here, work with the other church planners. Jeff is so excited to come up. I told him, man, I've got this great Chick-fil-A I want to treat you to. Uh, I want to take you to. And that's a, the, 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 the Chick-fil-A my brother owns, so he, he got a good laugh out of that. Uh, but we are so thankful for their investment in our lives. I'm grateful for them. And as I was talking to them, I said, you know, you may be asking, how does a guy go from Smyrna, Georgia to the Lehigh Valley? Like, how does that happen? And I was like, that's a great question, because <laughs> I often ask myself that same question. But right when I was graduating, right when I was graduating, 
there was a, another person, this young woman who was in high school about a year ahead of me, who was praying for her area. And her area is the Lehigh Valley. And she was praying that God would raise up people, leaders, to reach this area, to push back the darkness, to bring hope that's found in Jesus. And that young woman is my wife, Amy. And Amy had been praying before she met me for this area. And little did I know that I would be part, not the only part, but part of what God would do here in the valley and beyond. And so I'm thankful for the prayers of my wife. I'm thankful for the teammate that my wife is in my life. Now, those are some of the things I'm thankful for. And as we think about that for ourselves, I think it's important that we can answer this question, who and what are you thankful for? Who and what are you thankful for? Say that with me out loud. Who and what are you thankful for? Turn to your neighbor, ask, who and what are you thankful for? Who and what are you thankful for? Now the other neighbor, to your other side, who and what are you thankful for? Here's the deal. We don't want to miss, we don't want to miss the opportunity in this season to cultivate the practice, the life-giving practice of thankfulness. Because thankfulness is not limited to Thanksgiving. I know you may be shocked by that, right? It's not just limited to when you gather around the meal and you go around, I'm thankful for. Thankfulness is something we see throughout the scriptures as part of the heart that God has for us, that he wants us to practice a spirit of thankfulness. And in fact, as you think about God's heart towards you, he's actually thankful for you as well. He's thankful for the gift of you, and he wants us to experience the fullness of who he is, and part of that is to express to him our thankfulness and to express to others that I am thankful for you and to get specific about what it is that you're thankful for. Because one of the ways that we change the atmosphere that we walk into is to be a person marked with thankfulness. It changes us and our attitude and perspective, but it also changes the way that we interact with others. Like I was at the Da Vinci Science Center yesterday with my son Ray, and they're doing a great job there. And I just wanted to tell somebody, hey, thank you for doing a great job here. You guys provide an awesome experience. My son is having a great time. Thank you. And she was just kind of like, wow, like, I'm, I can't, wait. she didn't know what to say because she's not used to receiving that. And I think that speaks to our culture, climate right now. We're used to critique and criticism. We're used to calling out somebody, what they're not, what they should be, but we're not used to calling people forward. And oftentimes we ourselves have not experienced that. So let's call forward what we're grateful for. Let's call forward what we're thankful for. So again, who and what are you thankful for? And there's a phrase that we're going to see today in the psalm that we're going to look at, and it's this phrase again and again, his love endures forever. Say that with me on three. One, two, three. His love endures forever. So whenever you see that phrase today, I want you to read it out loud with me, all right? So whenever we go through this psalm, Psalm 136, and you see that phrase, his love endures forever, I just want you to repeat that out loud, okay? We're not going to read the whole psalm today, so I want to encourage you throughout this week at some point to go through this psalm. But here's what Psalm 136 says, starting in verse 1. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's do that again. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. 
And this speaks of just this reality that God is good. He is good. And he has good towards us and for us. And his love endures forever. His love knows no end. His love doesn't give up on us when we're failing. And his love doesn't change for us when we're succeeding. When we're succeeding and things are going really, really well. His love doesn't change for us if our motives are pure or our motives are impure. His love doesn't change. His love doesn't change if we're walking in unholiness or holiness, but yet he calls us to so much more. He wants us to walk with him and to experience the deepness of his love, the depth of his love, to live a life that is really full, full of the freedom that he's intended for us. But part of this is to understand his character, that he is good. So as we think about this, here's the first part of what I want to give us today, and it's a question. Do you believe that God is good and wants good for you? Do you believe that God is good and wants good for you? Do you believe that? Do you believe, as the psalmist says in in Psalm 23, verse 7, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life? Do you believe that? Do you trust that he is a good God and he has good towards you even when things aren't going good? That somehow he can take something bad and we don't have to pretend something bad is good, but he can make good out of it. He can make good out of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, whether they're decisions or choices we've made that are in opposition to what he has for us or something that somebody else has done to us or some other kind of circumstance, a diagnosis that we received, he can make good of it. And we got to get to the heart. Do I believe that he is good and that he is good towards me? Do I believe that? Again, do you believe that God is good and wants good for you? Next part of this is how has the Lord been good to you? And I want you to be thinking through this. How has the Lord been good to you? And it's one thing to hear it on a Sunday morning and to think about it. But actually what I want you to do is take these questions and throughout this week, I actually want you to answer them. I want you to answer them. I want you to write it out, whether it's in a notebook or on your smartphone or however you do it. Because what can happen is we can go through life without pausing enough to take inventory and to express how he has been good. How have you seen him show up in your life? How has he been good to you? What are the, what's the good that he's given to you? I, I think about this child dedication that we just did. Beyond the gift of children, I think, wow, what a gift that both my brothers and their families moved up here to the Lehigh Valley. Man, that is such a good gift that God gave me and my wife, Amy. And for all the cousins to to know each other and to grow up together, that is a gift. That is a gift that we have heat in this building, right? We got heat in this building. You know, Pastor Travis mentioned last week that they had heat issues in the kids' area. We got that fixed, that we have resources to even fix situations like that, that many of you have at least one car, if not two cars. What are the things that you look at your life and you say, man, you have been so good to me in this way? And are you calling that out? Are you letting him know that? Here's the next part. What in your life is causing you to live the lie he isn't good and doesn't have good for you? 
I think some of us are living this lie right now. And this is the lie that the great enemy, the accuser, Satan himself, wants us to believe. This is the lie he believed. This is the the great temptation that led Adam and Eve astray. To believe that he wasn't good. He wasn't good and he was holding out on them. His very, very best. And some of us, we look on the Instagram feed and be like, oh yeah, he's good for somebody else, but he's not good for me. He's not good to me. And I want you to hear this morning that part of getting to the heart of thankfulness and to experience a deeper trust in Jesus is to really believe that he is good. And if you're struggling to believe that, to go with him and to him with that and to let others in who are going to journey with you, hey, I'm struggling to believe that God is good and that he has good towards me. And this is why. We don't have to pretend, but he loves to isolate us just like he Love to isolate Adam and Eve in the garden. Isolate them and make them vulnerable to temptation. He loves to do that for us, to isolate us and to cause us to think, I've got to figure it out in my own power, my own wisdom, my own strength. I can't show that I don't have an answer or that I'm struggling or that there's a weakness. And that is so not the heart of the message of Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me with whatever you have, the joys, the sorrows, the confidence, and the doubts. Come to me with it all. Again, what in your life is causing you to live the lie he isn't good and doesn't have good for you? Well, the psalmist continues here in Psalm 136, 2 and 3. It says this, Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. Now, I want you to get this, because this is a beautiful, beautiful psalm, and this repetition of his love endures forever, which we're going to hear again and again. But it says he's the God of gods. This is good news for us, because the God of gods in that time were things and images that were created, right? They would use stones or gold or silver. They would worship all kinds of things that they would make with their hands. There was a way in which they saw the world that was outside of worshiping the one true God. And we, we hear that and we're like, oh, I, have, I don't have much in common with them. Uh, but the reality is we have our own version of that. We take good things and make them a God thing. And what are, what are good things that we could make a God thing? Well, there are the things that we have in our possessions as far as finances and resources, giftings that he's given us, opportunities, relationships. And again, they're good things, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights where there is no shifting shadow and variation. That's James 1.17. So we want to hold on to that, that he is so good, and he gives us these good gifts to enjoy, but in the context of seeing him as over all others, that he's the ultimate that one that we're looking to, that we see his might and his majestic power and how incredibly, incredibly awesome he is. As Psalm 8 describes so beautifully But we don't want to miss who he is, that he's the God of gods and he's the Lord of lords. And what does that mean? Well, that there are not only those things that are created, those gifts that he gives to us, but there are people that are created and people who have different positions and authorities in life. There's you and me, right? He's the Lord over us, or he's intended to be, right? He is, but we have to live that way, right? He's the Lord over anybody and everybody. And so I want us to think about this. He's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. 
And as we continue on here, I want to give us a couple of things that will help us to look at this and to see what are the gods in our life. Again, these things are gifts, but when a gift becomes replaced, replacing the giver of the gifts, we know we have made a God, and we're lifting him up over the one true God. Possessions, career, image management, talents, and gifts. These are ways in which we prop up gods. And if we're not careful and we don't have the right perspective, if we're not looking at God as who he truly is, we can make these things everything in our lives. Again, these things are gifts, and we're to use them in response to the giver of the gifts. We're to see him as the one that is leading us. But let me ask you, have these things become the God, the gods over the one true God in your life? That's for you to take inventory of and to think about. Because I think it's easy, easy to make that shift. And I think we've got to be really, really careful. And there's a lot of different reasons behind that too. There's a lot of trying to prove myself. There's a lot of trying to earn something. There's a lot of proving somebody else wrong, right? We all have our motivation. And let's let God go to work in these deep places so we can see him as he is, the God of gods. What are the lords in our lives? Here are some lords in our lives. Yourself, classmates, family members, coworkers and bosses, elected officials. They all have a place in our life. But are they becoming the one Lord that's over all other lords in our lives? Are we seeing Jesus as he is? He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That's who he is. But are these things overcoming or being put above who he is and what he has for our lives? We all need to take inventory of that. And some of this, at the heart of it, is do I trust him enough to believe he has my best, my best in mind, that he's not withholding from me. And I know for many of us, in our own ways, that's scary. That's scary. Some of it is, man, I don't want to depend on anybody or anything. I want to show myself strong enough to do it. For some of us, it's like, man, I've been wounded. I've been hurt. How could I ever trust the fact that there is a loving God who's personal and cares about me, and he's mindful as, of me, as Psalm 8 says, Psalm 8, 4. He says he's mindful of us. He's mindful of us, and he crowns us with honor and glory to walk with him and to do life with him and to be on the mission which he's created us for because he's made us on purpose and for purpose. Well, as we continue on here, I want us to, to not miss Jesus in the midst of this. Jesus is the God of gods, and the Lord of lords, which frees us to live and give his love to others. Jesus is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, which frees us to live and give his love to others. He's always been and will always be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews 13, 8 says, that he walks with us, that Jesus himself comes near to us in life. No matter what season it is, no matter what it is we're experiencing or going through, seasons change, but he remains the same. And as we see him for who he is, again, Jesus through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, as we see him as the God of gods and the Lord of lords, and we experience the fullness of his love, as we receive and trust 
him for who he is. It frees us to live and give his love to others. We're free. We're not trying to earn anything. We're not trying to perform. We're not trying to prove this person wrong. He just frees us to experience his good pleasure in our lives, his, his sure delight in us, the fact that he loves us and rejoices over us, and that frees us to love and serve others well. It allows us to see the people in our lives, those that we're close to and those that we end up encountering, whether we're at a restaurant or in our work environment or wherever we are, we have freedom in Christ to then love them from a place of genuineness and sincerity and authenticity. When we see Jesus, again, as the God of gods and the Lord of lords, do you see Jesus as that? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you said, yes, Jesus, I see you for who you are and everything and everyone I give to you, including myself? I want your will, your way, and I want you more than anything else and more than anyone else. I want you. Because you've pursued me. You've made a way. Now I have a decision to make and a choice to make. And so the invitation's open. Whether you have yet to do that and put your trust in Jesus, or maybe you're drifting and you're like, man, I'm, I'm trying to make sense of life right now, but I've turned to another God or another Lord. We can always come back. We can always come back. We're never too far gone. Amen? This is the good news of the gospel. Praise God. Praise God for that. So as we continue on here, this is really important. When we give thanks, we declare that God is trustworthy. And at the heart of thanksgiving is to trust him for who he is and what he has for our lives. To say, I am thankful for you and I see you for you and I see all the things that you've given to me. Again, when we give thanks, we declare that God is trustworthy. Well, as we, we continue on here, I want you to just be thinking about who God is. So it says he's good. He's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. I give thanks to the Lord for being. And I want you to fill in that blank. And I just want you to even now, if you feel comfortable, what are some characteristics of God that come to mind? And I'm, I'm being serious right now. You can just say it out loud. What are some characteristics when you think of God and you say, hey, I'm gi I give thanks to the Lord for being what? What would you say? Loving. What, provider. Forgiving. Savior. Uh, what'd you say? Good listener. What'd you say? Faithful. Counselor. Creator. Comforter. Trustworthy. Caring. Merciful, patient, redeemer, miracle worker. Mm, come on now. We're having church up in here. <laughs> Giver of gifts. Gracious. What's, what's that? In control. In control. Everything's he's out of control. He's in control, right? Powerful. Deliverer. Unchanging. With us. Love. Compassionate. What were you saying, sir? Lover of my soul. Awesome. The God who sees. We could go on and on. and You know what? 
We could fill this whole gathering with just doing this. And my point is, do you see a change in you when you just hear that? A change in the atmosphere when we just declare, you are good. You are good. You are the God of gods and the Lord of lords. There is power in that. There is power when we declare, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's what we just did. We hallowed at his name. We praised him for who he is. I give thanks to the Lord for being. I want you to continue in that spirit throughout the remainder of your week. But as we continue on here on the psalm, let's read this together. It says, to him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. And again, he does these great wonders. He's the one who made the heavens. We're starting to see just the, the beauty and the magnitude of God. This, this morning around like, I don't know what time it was, six something, Ray, my son's like, hey, let's go on a hike. And I'm like, oh man, this is really inconvenient right now. Like I'm trying to like get my head in the game. And I felt like the Lord was like, go, go. It will be good for your mind and your heart and it's good for your son. It will prepare you for today. And I went out. With, with my son. I thought we were going further. He actually just wanted to go down the road. So it was like literally a two-minute drive. And he came early here with me, and we had a great morning. But one of the things he kept saying to me as he was looking at the creation, he goes, look at the bright and colorful leaves. Look at them. And he picked them up. He picked up. Look at this. Look how big this leaf is. It's as big as my face. You know, it's, he's, he's in wonder. Of creation. And you know what? We live in a world that's full of brokenness, and we need to take in the beauty and the wonder that is found in God. That is one of the ways that we're restored, whether that's going out in creation, whether that's taking in good art as far as pictures that people paint or draw, whether that is in design. There's all kinds of artistic ways, right? There, it's not limited to this, but you know, even movies, right? Good, redeemable movies that really help us to tap into something greater. Music, these are all ways that we're reminded of a God who creates and has made these things for us to wonder and to behold and to be held by him. It restores our souls. It restores our souls. Well, it continues on here. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and the stars to govern the night. And there seems to be a little less light these days, right, as it gets darker earlier. But whether it's the light that comes up or the night that's there, it reminds us of him. His love endures forever. He is so good. He is so, so good. And we see how he is not only the creator of things we enjoy throughout nature, but even the creator of people. So part of it is, is understanding the places that he's created and, and the ways in which he, he's made the world, but it's people and how people are a gift to us and also their ability to create. Because we all, in our own way, are creative. I know some people are always like, no, no, I'm not a creative. We all are in our own way. You can email me later and we can have a whole conversation about this. We all in our own way have a way in which we do things that's unique to us. And God has wired us that way. So as we continue on here, I want you to answer this question for yourself. Thank you, God, for this place in person. Thank you, God, for this place 
in person. What are the places? Who are the people? I mentioned several of them already in my own life. But there are so many others that I can, can thank God for. This, this uh, Thursday, I got lunch with the first pastor who hired me as a 23-year-old, fresh out of college, newly married, was ready to take over, take on the world, right? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's grab the bull by the horns. And little did I know how much I did not know as a 23-year-old. But how patient and steadfast this, this man was. Rick Goodman is his name. He is a really good man. And Rick came to Salem Bible Church in 1977. And through 1977 to about 2016 or so, he was on not only staff, but leading the church. And he just told me the story. Things I didn't know. And I just kept asking a bunch of questions. Because I was like, man, tell me your biography a little bit. I want to hear your story. And all throughout it, you could just hear God's faithfulness in his life. And as a result, I was a benefactor of that faithfulness of God and how he was used in a mighty way to help me get a vision for what is the valley and what God would have for me long term. And I'm just grateful for people like that. I'm grateful for that first church that gave me a chance as a 23-year-old and how much I learned from them. Again, for you, what are the places and the people that you thank God for? You need to just call it out. Think about it. Reflect on it. Write it out. Again, thank you, God, for this place in person. Well, it continues on here in Psalm 136. It says this, To him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, to him who led his people through the wilderness. And he tells this story. He tells this story, and you see this throughout Psalm 136, of how God delivered the nation of Israel from slavery. How God showed his power and his might, and how they were enslaved, and how Pharaoh would not let them go. But God showed up in a miraculous way, and said, I'm going to lead you out of slavery. I'm going to leave you, lead you out of Egypt. I'm going to use Moses to be the leader that's going to lead the way and to lead the people. And it shows through this how God showed up there, how he led them, how he parted the Red Sea, which is incredible, incredible story, and how they were like, oh, man, I don't know how this is going to work out. They were in the wilderness, how God was leading them. But throughout it, one of the things it doesn't mention is how the nation of Israel, they could not see the goodness of God at times when it got hard and difficult. You see them saying to Moses, hey, this is really, really hard. I think it was better in Egypt as slaves. Let's go back. And you know what? I think we do the same thing, don't we? We're like, man, you know what? Let's, I want to go back. But we forget what's back there isn't what's freedom. We forget what's back there that that person we dated that's not our spouse. We, we forget that addiction that we were dabbling into or, or in wasn't freedom. Uh, we, we forget those small little lies that we tell, told and continued to tell and they got bigger and bigger. Those were not freedom. That was not freedom. The desire to, to people please and try to earn our, our way and, and, and get people's approval and to live that kind of life that was not freedom. That was slavery. 
And thanks be to God, Jesus sent another deliverer, who's the good and perfect Moses. His name is Jesus, and he is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is good. And he wants to lead us to freedom, freedom that's found in him, freedom that's found in who he is and what he has for us to take on his ways, his teaching, and to let the truth set us free. And part of the process of getting us out of Egypt is not just to get us out of Egypt, but to get Egypt out of us. Because there is a way of life that we have become accustomed to that is not in line with the way in which God has created us for. The designer, the one who loves us, the one who wants freedom and good for us. The one who wants to give us a hope, even when situations feel hopeless. He's inviting us in, not only to take us out of Egypt, but get Egypt out of us to get the way of King Jesus and his kingdom into us and through us and around us to join him. So as we think about this, here's the question for you. What Egypt has he brought you out of? And I would add a, a second part to this is, how is he trying to get Egypt out of you? What are the things in you right now that he's just trying to, because he loves you. You're not trying to, he's not trying to get you to earn anything. He wants you to experience freedom. He wants you to experience the life that he's created you for. He's created you on purpose and for a purpose. What is it in you? He's trying to just get out of you. He loves you fully and completely. He's not withholding. What is that for you? You know, as I think about this in my own life, I, I think God is doing this incredible work. And many of you know this, this story about my own journey with my family story. But I think he's starting to give me freedom to understand not only where I've come from and the things that I don't want to bring with me, but the blessings I want to take with me. He's also given me clarity to understand that there are parts of me that he wants to undo, and that is the part of where shame at times grabs a hold of my mind and my heart. And I can't let him lift my head and say, hey, I love you for you, and I'm proud of you, and you're doing a good work. And you know what? I think in your own life, you've got stuff like that too. Where he wants to just take that and work with you to get that out of you. Because it holds you back. And one of the, the big indications for me when I asked Amy, I said, hey, what do you want from me? What do you desire and want from me the most right now? And she simply said, I just want you to know how much you're loved. And how much people take pride and, and delight in you. And how much joy you bring to people. And I was like, oh, you don't think I know that? Which is usually a spouse question, right? And she's like, I don't think you do. And I just want you to see that. You know what? It was a good check for me to say, wait a minute. What's in me that needs to come out of me? What's in you that needs to come out of you that Jesus wants to journey with you towards for hope and healing and restoration? What is it in your own life? And then the next part of this, is this, what's one situation you will thank the Lord for working in? What's one situation that you're going to work, that you're going to thank the Lord for working in? What's one of those situations that you're like, man, God, you're showing up here right now. Maybe it's a cancer diagnosis that you're watching God walk with you. It's hard. It's hard. It's, it's not that you would sign up for it. You know, I don't think anybody's like, hey, you know what? I really want a diagnosis like that. You know, maybe for you, it's you know what? I'm watching God bring hope 
and healing to this painful place in my life. I'm watching God provide financially for my family. We had a layoff. We had something come up that we were not planning on, that we were not anticipating, but God is showing up. What, what's one situation you will thank the Lord for working in? I want you to think through this. And this leads us to what we talked about early on. Who and what are you thankful for? And I want you to go to this site, riverbendonline.org slash thankful. And I want you to actually fill out the form. And if you're comfortable, we're going to share that church-wide. And what, what we're trying to do is do what we just did early on, just to express, God, how good you are, how you're working in our lives. There's something beautiful about taking time to take stock and inventory of our lives because he is so, so good. He is so good. Even when everything around us seems like it's not good, he's still good. Let's pray. Father, right now we thank you for your love for us. Lord, I pray that we would take time to think about, to consider your ways, your will, what you have for us. Lord, there's so much to be grateful for. There's so much to be thankful for. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather, to even to declare out loud his love endures forever. To hear all the characteristics about you that we've said out loud together today. To think about the people and the places. God, you're so good. And we thank you, Jesus, for being so good, for coming near to us, for being the God of gods and the Lord of lords, for making a way of salvation, to making a way through the Red Sea, through slavery, God, to set us free. And I thank you for how you're getting Egypt out of us. May we join you in that. May we trust you in that, to walk in what it is you have for us, your wisdom. God, you know what's best for us. Your heart towards us is good, and it's for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're going to give you a couple ways to respond today. Here's the first way. If you've made any decision, you can text that in. You have a question, prayer request, whatever it is, you can use that number to text. The next part of this is through the giving of gifts. And so I want to invite you to, to really consider, prayerfully consider giving. And you can give in a couple ways. You can text it in. You can use the app. You can mail it in. You can go online. There's an offering basket on your way out that's on the table right out there by the exit. You can drop the offering right in there. And I want you to know it's because of your generosity uh, that we're able to do a lot of the things that I have mentioned throughout the weeks uh, leading up to our gathering here, like come alongside people who do have needs that arise. In fact, I was in a conversation uh, yesterday, and um, or on Friday, actually, with somebody who was asking for prayer for his wife because uh, she was not, it wasn't looking good, the prognosis. And I was able to pray with her, or pray with him for her, and pray for the family. And he's like, these next two days are crucial. So if you think of the Gates family, pray for them. But to offer, hey, if you need anything, we're here. And to know that I could actually back that up <laughs> because of your generosity. Financially, I'm like, man, do you need anything? And so we, we have resources available for those types of things. We have resources available to walk alongside different ministries in our local community and the ways in which we are able to impact the community. And then the other way that we're able to take these resources and see them advance God's kingdom and agenda is to walk alongside other pastors, leaders, church planners, uh, this last week, we had a, a prayer gathering for ministry leaders and pastors. It was beautiful to just watch the power of coming together in that way. And we had that right in the cafe. It's your generosity that allows us to do that. It's your generosity that allows us to have a, a Danish invasion 
And you may be like, what am I talking about? Well, we have church planters coming in from Denmark who happen to be related to Amy and I, and they're going to be staying with us for three weeks, three weeks, okay? So you can be praying, um, and it's going to be a great time, but we are grateful to partner with them. I do want to mention to you, if you have an extra car or know somebody that does, we are looking to provide their family of four transportation through this time. So if that's something, no pressure, but if that's something that you're like, hey, you know what? I have that, and I would like to, to be a, a resource in that way. Let us know that. I would be really honored and blessed to be able to walk with them in that way because of your generosity. So just let us know that. And last thing I want to mention is we're going to take communion. And uh, communion is a chance for us to remember and to reflect on who Christ is and what he's done for us. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would just ask that you not partake in communion, communion as it's commanded for those who are uh, followers of Jesus. But communion is a chance for us to reflect on what we just talked about, that he is good, right? He is good. He's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He's the one that delivered us from the slavery, not of a particular place, but of what the scriptures call sin. He's the one that set us free from what sin, and sin is to be out of step and out of alignment with God's design for us. He has set us free through the finished work of himself through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And communion is a chance for us to remember, to remember what it is that Christ has done for us. His body being broken for us is demonstrated through that wafer. In the juice is his blood spilled out for us. It's to, to remind us of the fact that through his life, death, burial, resurrection, through his body being broken and his blood being shed, we have a right standing with God, and we receive that. And then not only do we have a right standing with God, but we have the rights because of Jesus to walk in the inheritance that is ours in Christ, to be called sons and daughters of the Most High, and to walk with Him towards the mission that He has for each and every one of us. If you do not have communion supplies, just raise your hand, and we'll make sure that we'll get those, we'll get those to you. I think everybody has it, as I can see, but if you need supplies, there's somebody over here that needs some. My guy, Joe Collins, is on the case. Um, but And someone right here too, Joe, up here. So just raise your hand for that. And then I want to pray for us. And as we receive communion, use this as a time to reflect. Again, what you're thankful for, where do you need to ask for forgiveness, and who do you need to forgive? And who, not only do you need to forgive, but who do you need to go to and ask for forgiveness from as well? The scriptures make it clear. We're not to come lightly to this. We're to, to make things right with God and with others. And we can because of what Jesus has done for us, perfectly and completely. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. And we thank you that your love endures forever. And that that's perfectly demonstrated in Jesus' coming. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you what you have done that we could never do for ourselves. And so right now, we thank you that we don't have to try or earn. We just receive. And as we receive, we give freely. And Lord, I just praise you for uh, your great love for us that's come near to us. And through your life, death, burial, and resurrection, I pray through communion, we'd be reminded of what it means to walk with you, to have your kingdom eyes to see life and life as it's intended to be lived. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.